Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi everybody, I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. This mother of four sons describes how her second son is her heart monitor. We'll see just how this mom learned to raise the child she was given. Writer Jennifer Hamm is from Beverly Hills and has lived between L.A. and London since 1994. She began writing over 30 years ago in the worlds of film, TV, blogs, travel, and now novels. She is a mother to four boys and her husband. Her blog, itsonlyforayear.com, is about raising her boys between two countries and all the wonderful chaos that comes from motherhood. Here's Jennifer Hamm. This is called Embracing the Space Between Us. My second son is going away to college today. My heartstrings are being pulled beyond compare. This child at 18 represents my heart more than any other part of me. Each son, and I have four, seems to have brought me a different understanding and reflection at times of my own true self. They have given me far more than I've given them. This son has shown me how to understand silence, how to find a path when it's foggy, how to fail, how to love. He sleeps now, as they all do during these summer mornings. Our house has been full with my eldest son's band staying here for three months. Some call me crazy, loving the madness of this energy, but happy to then go home at the end of the night back to their calm. But I found it calming here, probably because I knew it would end. Just as we all settled into our rhythm, it would change again. And now here I am drinking coffee with summer bug bites raging on my ankles, knowing in a few hours, everything for my son will change forever. Of course they'll come back, as my husband reminds me daily while picking up socks strewn all over the house. Of course they will. But each time they come back, it will be measured. What pulls my heart is that the end of their childhood is also drawn in the sand when they take off for college. All you can hope for is that they are ready, able, and fully willing to fly. That has been my job all these years. His wings needed to be strong and powerful, and with this son, they needed to also be soft and flexible. At nearly two, he still hadn't spoken much. His elder brother used to speak for him. He wants this to drink, he wants this to eat, play with. It was frustrating for me as I felt I couldn't connect with him well. I didn't know how to listen then, and I certainly didn't know how to hear him. Over the years, when feelings got the better of him, he would hide. Try scolding a child you can't find. It took me such a long, long time to understand that his silence was part of his processing and that his hiding was an ability to make sense out of it all that he was feeling. 
His emotional intelligence far exceeds most. To this day, I know when he's really, really mad because he goes incredibly quiet. My husband, on the other hand, is very loud. He loves and lives out loud. The good news about that is that all the boys always know where they stand, where they are with him. I worried about those dynamics with this son and his incredibly different way of being. It was a few years ago when I saw the full shift and knew his wings were being constructed. It wasn't a fight per se, just a loud discussion about this and that, but he stood there, grounded, and said his piece without faltering. He didn't go quiet or hide away. He found that he could translate his emotions into words and argued back. When he finally walked away, I couldn't help but feel proud. We packed his bag yesterday. I waited till the last minute for this exercise. One, because boys don't care much about what clothes get taken, aside from a particular hoodie or pair of shoes. And two, because I didn't want to see the suitcase out for long. I know I must be strong for him, and I will. That's the mother in me talking. That's what we do as mothers. We are whatever they need us to be. Like I said, they show us in the end how dynamic we can be ourselves. Today is a day about letting him fly, watching him soar, embracing the space between us. A really, really gorgeous piece. Good, I'm so glad you liked it. Um, so I have a question. What is it about this kid? Why does this kid have your heart? Yeah, I think it's this child's um, ability to emotionally communicate. It's not an easy thing for a boy, and I never really... I think I, because I have four, I can compare, I guess, gender-wise. Um, and even though, even when he was little, and he really... The words didn't come easily for him. There was something about his heart, the way he looked at you with his eyes. Um, he's the first kid to ask me how I am. Um, he still is. He's 18, and he just remains kind of like my, my heart monitor in a way. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that too. Yeah, that's who he is. He's in London now, quite far away. Wow. His first semester's in London, miles away. And yet, you know, kind of, he doesn't call. Like the first one calls me three times a day in New York. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like your first one, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Lupe's got the same exact first child anyway. <laughs> it's really funny. Um and so they're all different. So you kind of go, what to expect with the second one? This one doesn't, um, he doesn't call, but he'll send me a text with just like a little heart or a rainbow. Or he's just, he's just that kid. He sort of knows how to emotionally reach out. Mm, that's beautiful. I felt very much like, you know, the, the, the person in the family, other than obviously his dad, that always looked out for me in that capacity. It's, you know, it's a friendship that's it's kind of seeped in the heart monitor, you know, in the heart strings of, of my life. Um, and he doesn't require a lot of disciplining or he just kind of never has. You know, he's been very poor kid. Um, but yeah, so that's where that line comes from. That's what it is. I love that. Hmm. How many kids do you have, Lupe? I, I have three. I have three daughters. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yes. I have, I have three daughters. 
They're all in their 20s. And they're all so different. I always say you have to like figure out who you got. You know, <laughs> when you get handed that baby, it's like, okay, let's see who I got. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get it. You know, when you have one sex of, the, you know, multiple kids, everyone says, oh, I bet you wish you had a girl or for you, Lupe, maybe, oh, I bet you wish you had a boy. But literally each experience is so different, right? Yes. That you kind of don't see it. I mean, you genuinely don't see it like that. Like, yes, a different gender would bring a whole different set of circumstances, but each child really is very, very different. So you don't feel like you're getting the same carbon copy experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and when my husband would get that, he would get kind of angry mm-hmm. at just the thought that, that he would have wished one of his girls was a boy. Like he really did not like when people would say that to him. I felt the same. <laughs> my other question was um, because of the energies of this son and your husband, um, did you find yourself kind of being the go-between or trying to teach your husband the energy of this baby of yours, of this, of, the, of your youngest? Yeah. You know, to speak totally frankly, the only time he and I ever searched out help was because of this child and the way we both couldn't seem to understand how to parent him at times. Mm. That's interesting. And a hundred million percent, you know, I felt like I was in the middle a lot of the time. It was really interesting. When we went for help, it was at a stage where um, uh, this son had a lot of learning issues and we were moving back and forth between London and LA. A lot of people don't like discussing their learning issues as as if you're kind of admitting there's something wrong with your child, which is so stupid. It is so stupid. And... um, And so he had really long hair and he would hide behind his hair. So he went from sort of physically hiding as a toddler, young kid to kind of physically hiding through his long hair over his eyes. And it would drive my British husband crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Drive him crazy. Um, Find all different kinds of things like while you're in the house, you know, put it in a little pony or stick it away, you know. Don't, you know, because he, and it would drive him crazy that, that he would go to school like that. And he thought it was disrespectful to the teach, teachers, et cetera. Wow. And um, so we were coming, we were butting heads. I think all three of us were butting heads because this son was very quiet about, and I don't think he really could articulate what it was that was really bothering him. And again, when you have emotional intelligence that's, um, exceeding your maturity you genuinely don't know how to communicate it you know what you know what you're feeling right right you don't necessarily know how to put it into words and that comes that's why i was so proud towards the end of that passage when he finally stood his ground i, I, I loved that part mm. he realized he was there was something in him that had shifted and he knew how to express himself through words but at this point this was like maybe fifth grade or something sixth grade and he was struggling. And so we, we sought out some help. And my husband, it was really an interesting moment. And I'll, I'll put it into a short, short context. Um, the therapist was describing um, a mountaintop that you would have to climb. And, and you would, you know, it took you hours to get to the top. And the reward was going to be, that once you got to the top, you got to jump into this amazing sea where there was a waterfall. And it was like the most exciting you know, thing that you could, uh, you know, sort of activity you could think of doing. Mm-hmm. 
And, but it took a lot of hard work to get up there. And she said, it's like your son goes all the way up there. And then when he gets to the very top, all of a sudden the heavens open and the rain comes down and then there's a hailstorm and the ground is shaking and he's just not going to jump. He's going to wait until the rain passes. He's going to wait until he feels grounded and he wants it to be much more calm for him to then take that moment and jump into the sea. And my husband interrupted her and said, wait, 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 wait. That's just ridiculous. If you're going to work your, your ass off, if you're going to, if you are going to, spend all of your time and energy climbing that mountain to do that jump and you can't wait to get there. It wouldn't matter if, you know, there would be a massive snowstorm or an earthquake or anything. I I would just jump into that sea having climbed so hard to get to the top. And she said to him, I know you would, but that's you. And your son wants to be grounded and your son wouldn't. And the difference of what I'm trying to explain to you is, parents is that just because you would do it right right exactly doesn't mean they can do it and you have to look at the kid in front of you and it was like it was it was so simple but he was so emphatic about like he just didn't buy into her he called her like this you know airy fairy la you know (laughs) analysis of 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 self and and but what she was trying to say was it doesn't matter what you want to label me or label the process what you need to look at is that he is not you right and that's a really hard thing i think also for dads to get around um i don't think it's ego but i think it's ego in like the like the old freudian sense of the word ego like you know this child is part of me i'm going to instill all these things into my kids and hope that they you know take all the good stuff and then soar. And you think, well, yeah, with that comes their own individual self and they might not be able to do it the way you think it should be done, even if it's for all the right reasons. And so it was like a turning point for the two of us to recognize once again, this kid is making us parent differently. Yes. Um, The other three we could scream at, discipline, you know, go here, do this, do that in a very straightforward boy manner. And this child just didn't, couldn't hear it the way we, whatever we said, we had to say it differently to him. Yeah. He didn't even know it, but he was very consistent about how he received discipline and information from us. And so it was like teaching us that not, you know, like with your three daughters, Lupe, I'm sure you can't communicate the same way with each of them. I know. I mean, I, you know, my eldest, it was like, we, we had to butt head. She was going to challenge me at every turn. And I had to just make sure that she knew I was her mother and I would end up winning. So, um, and, and, you know, there was no, like, she would come for the yelling out. Like she would, she would crawl up on me, you know? Um, but the baby, my youngest, it's like, uh, I just, if I just went, I, I'm really disappointed. She could die a million deaths. Right. <laughs> we'll just be like, yeah, you're disappointed. I could take that. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So that's, I think that that's where I, I think about how we learn as moms so much about ourselves. Well, and, and it, it's, it just shows, you know, uh, how we are the ones who kind of put our families together, right? We we're the ones that, see what's working, how this, how a father fits into the bigger picture. 
sometimes I call it like some mothers really pad corners, right? And they just really try to, instead of like, you got your husband, you're like, no, we, both of you decided you needed therapy to both of you understand this dynamic. And many times I see mothers pad the corners to make it as easy a relationship with the fathers as they can. And, and I always say, you know, at some point they're going to turn 18, they're going to be 22, they're going to be 23, and they're going to be directly having this relationship. And they're going to be wondering this guy's a little different than I than I knew him growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it does happen. It, it really, so when, when we pad those corners and not let them have that relationship one-on-one, regardless of how messy it's going to be, we kind of uh, set a kid up for like finally meeting their father when they're in their 20s. And you're like, whoa. Oh, I'm sure I've done that a million times. Yeah, we do. We do because we just try to make things smooth you know we do we try to make things as smooth as we can it's just it's part of our nesting I'm pretty sure it's gotta be yeah I interpret my husband to my kids and my kids to my husband right yes yes I'm guilty of that yes. too yeah really interesting and 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 then sometimes your husband or your partner whoever's with you in the in the ride you know is the one who's free to just go off on all the things that are making him crazy <laughs> you would love to do that too, but there's not a lot of space for both of you to do that. So, uh, but then having said all of that, you know, it's great having another voice in the process. Oh, totally. And an opposing voice. Yeah. Or to round out the point well, of view. And the, and I mean. the energy. I, I really do think, you know, my husband and I have two very different energies. And um, the fact that my girls know that, I mean, my girls... I always say their measure of a man is their father. Like he's definitely got a certain energy to him that is protective and loving and no one will cross them. Um, <laughs> no one will cross one of his daughters. Uh, and you, you see it in the men they have chosen. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yes. And, and that energy, you know, is as fierce as it could be. Sometimes it wasn't always pretty, but it is, in the end, because they, they have a great relationship directly with him, it, it, that's, how they, they, that's how they chose their men. Yep. Wow, it would be really interesting to know who, who, what girls my boys choose. Why, right? Those days are coming for you, honey. They're not that far away for you either, by the way, Katie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So it's... Mm. Um, anyway... So that came to a screeching halt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, full disclosure, Katie might have pressed the stop recording button while I was still recording Jennifer Ham. Yes. And yeah. yet... We're going to thank her now. Then we're going to call her and text her and do whatever <laughs> we need to do to let her know how much we appreciate the fact that she was our guest. Because we actually did say goodbye. We just didn't record it. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, lesson learned. Lesson learned. And that's our episode with Jennifer Ham. Thank you for joining us. And if you like this episode, please go and rate, review, and subscribe. Share us with a friend. Take care. And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. 
And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment. Join us next week.